Hello, and welcome to the Daily Catholic Catechism Podcast. My name is Dan, and it's a pleasure to have you here. It is March 18th, and we will be reading paragraphs 597 through 604 today. And it is the Feast of St. Cyril of Jerusalem. Uh, we begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jews are not collectively responsible for Jesus' death. The historical complexity of Jesus' trial is apparent in the Gospel accounts. The personal sin of the participants, Judas, the Sanhedrin, Pilate, is known to God alone. Hence we cannot lay responsibility for the trial on the Jews in Jerusalem as a whole, despite the outcry of a manipulated crowd and the global reproaches contained in the Apostles' calls to conversion after Pentecost. Jesus himself, in forgiving them on the cross, and Peter, in following suit, both accept the ignorance of the Jews of Jerusalem and even of their leaders. Still less can we extend responsibility to other Jews of different times and places, based merely on the crowd's cry, His blood be on us and on our children, a formula for ratifying a judicial sentence. As the Church declared at the Second Vatican Council, neither all Jews indiscriminately at that time, nor Jews today, can be charged with the crimes committed during his passion. The Jews should not be spoken of as rejected or accursed, as if this followed from Holy Scripture. All sinners were the authors of Christ's passion. In her magisterial teaching of the faith and in the witness of her saints, the Church has never forgotten that sinners were the authors of, and the ministers of all the sufferings that the Divine Redeemer endured. Taking into account the fact that our sins affected Christ himself, the Church does not hesitate to impute to Christians the gravest responsibility for the torments inflicted upon Jesus, a responsibility with which they have all too often burdened the Jews alone. We must regard as guilty all those who continue to relapse into their sins. Since our sins made the Lord Christ suffer the torment of the cross, those who plunge themselves into disorders and crimes crucify the Son of God anew in their hearts, for he is in them, and hold him up to contempt. And it can be seen that our crime in this case is greater in us than in the Jews. As for them, according to the witness of the Apostle, none of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. We, however, profess to know him, and when we deny him by our deeds, we in some way seem to lay violent hands on him. Nor did demons crucify him. It is you who have crucified him, and crucify him still when you delight in your vices and sins. Roman numeral 2, Christ's redemptive death and God's plan of salvation. Jesus handed over according to the definitive plan of God. Jesus' violent death was not the result of chance and an unfortunate coincidence of circumstances, but is part of the mystery of God's plan. As St. Peter explains to the Jews of Jerusalem, in his first sermon on Pentecost. This Jesus was delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. This biblical language does not mean 
that those who handed him over were merely passive players in a scenario written in advance by God. To God, all moments of time are present in their immediacy. When, therefore, he establishes his eternal plan of predestination, he includes in it each person's free response to his grace. In this city, in fact, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. For the sake of accomplishing his plan of salvation, God permitted the acts that flowed from their blindness. He died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. The scriptures had foretold this divine plan of salvation through the putting to death of the righteous one, my servant, as a mystery of universal redemption, that is, as the ransom that would free men from the slavery of sin. Citing a confession of faith that he himself had received, St. Paul confesses that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. In particular, Jesus' redemptive death fulfills Isaiah's prophecy of the suffering servant. Indeed, Jesus himself explained the meaning of his life and death in the light of God's suffering servant. After his resurrection, he gave this interpretation of the scriptures to the disciples at Emmaus, and then to the apostles. For our sake, God made him to be sin. Consequently, St. Peter can formulate the apostolic faith and the divine plan of salvation in this way. You were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your fathers with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was destined before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest at the end of the times for your sake. Man's sins, following on original sin, are punishable by death by sending his own son in the form of a slave, in the form of a fallen humanity. On account of sin, God made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus did not experience reprobation as if he himself had sinned, but in the redeeming love that always united him to the Father, he assumed us in the state of our waywardness of sin, to the point that he could say in our name from the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Having thus established him in solidarity with us sinners, God did not spare his own Son, but gave him up for us all, so that we might be reconciled to God by the death of his Son. God takes the initiative of universal redeeming love. By giving up his own Son for our sins, God manifests that his plan for us is one of benevolent love, prior to any merit on our part, and this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the expiation for our sins. God shows his love for us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Thus ends our reading today from the Catechism of the Catholic Church. The website is dailycatholiccatechism.com, and you can email me at dailycatholiccatechism at gmail.com. It's kind of cool that we're reading about the uh, Passion during, uh, during Lent, so I'm glad that it worked out so well in this reading plan.
Um, yeah, I'll see you tomorrow. God bless you all, and may these teachings handed down by the apostles of Christ strengthen your faith and lead you to everlasting life. Amen.